melt our hearts and give us fresh rain. We love you, Holy Ghost. We acknowledge, Holy Spirit, you are the same person as Jesus Christ here in this room with us. Holy Spirit, you are Jesus in our midst. Holy Ghost, you are God the Father in our eyes and in our ears. Have your way in us, great Holy Spirit, our only God. The testing ground of the earth is to see what spirit you entertain in your flesh. Millions of options. Only one of them is God. That is the test of life on earth. What spirit will you serve in your flesh? Glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Father. Fresh glory is fresh rain. Fresh glory is the fresh fruit of the Spirit. Fresh fruit. Fresh glory. Thank you, Father. Let it soak in. God's healing you today. It's healing you with fresh fruit. Come into the presence of the Holy Ghost in a new and fresh way. To know you more deeply and intimately than ever before. Jesus. Thank you for putting our hearts and minds to rest in heaven's best. Everything we use to protect ourselves spiritually, everything from God we've received that we use to protect ourselves from a greater glory, just ask you to yield that to the Spirit tonight. What you received last season has to be offered into the glory this season or you cannot grow. Yesterday's bread is moldy bread today. It was awesome yesterday. God's giving new and fresh things today. So, in 15 years of ministry, ministering the glory of God, people will use the glory that they've received to protect themselves from a greater glory. Hmm. <laughs> People use their anointing to guard and shield themselves from a greater anointing. Usually in a greater stillness, a greater depth of death, a depth of knowing Him and an eternal Selah. Selah we read about it all over the Psalms, it means to pause and calmly think about that. 
but it really represents the rest of God, the pause of God, the stillness of God, how the Word is devouring your flesh. What is spoken, let it devour the anxiety, the fear, the pride, the lust, the delusion, the brain, anything connected to the brain, the blood, anything connected to the blood. When it says Selah, it's saying, let that word work in you as you're still. So we should always be preaching and teaching in the Selahs of God. Every word that we speak in this world, we are Jesus. And anyone who speaks, let them speak as God himself is talking, Scripture says. Everyone that speaks to spiritual people, the Christian race, to be a Christian is to be a race of spiritual beings. You understand that? That's why it's called being born again and not church membership. When you're born, it's a family. You know that in the natural. You say, that's my natural family. But do you comprehend it in the spirit? That's my spiritual family. <laughs> that you've been born again into a new race of beings. Very important foundations for born-again Christians, for real Christianity. Born of the spirit and the water. So you're born of a spirit race. John chapter 3, Nicodemus. See, what I'm giving you is the fulfillment of the Jewish law. Nicodemus embraced it, didn't he? Secretly at night, but nevertheless, he agreed to being born again. It's true. It was Nicodemus that actually buried him in the rich man's tomb and embalmed him. It was Nicodemus that took him down off the cross. Isn't that special? Yeah. Born of spirit. You could come to the highest level of externalism called Jewish religion. In the days of Jesus, it was the pinnacle and the height of the whole world. It really was. Herod's temple was the pinnacle of civilization. There was nothing like it in any nation in the world. There wasn't anything even close to it in Rome or Greece. The cost to build Herod's temple in today's value was $40 billion. True story. And so you have the pinnacle of Jewish religion in that time. And then Jesus coming and saying, Hey, I'm taking you out of the realm of the natural, out of the Jewish religion, into the fulfillment of the spirit of the king of the Jews into the heavenly realities and people couldn't handle that because there was so much of an external success an external wealth Herod's kingdom <laughs> the kingdom of the Pharisees that they rejected the realities and clung to the shadows and clung to the types but men still nevertheless whose hearts were right in the Jewish religion chose to fulfill it in Jesus Christ and Nicodemus is one of those there are also mentioned in Acts many Pharisees got born again and followed Jesus isn't that special 
It really actually says that they were causing trouble and were not allowed in positions of authority, though, as they became Christians. Because that religion is very hard to erase. There's literally no sin more destructive to the human soul than religious sin. And that's sadly what most people grow in after they're born again. They don't grow in the spirit or the water. They grow in knowledge in the brain and become the most fallen angel-like creatures in the world. But I tell you what, you can repent. While there's still breath in your nostrils, you can soften your heart and go down into your spirit and start where you left off. The mustard seed. The sperma of God. Greek word for being born of God's sperma, born of God's word, is written in 1 John. Very, very small pin needle sized beginnings. The mustard seed was the smallest seed of all the farming culture of Israel. People say, whoa, that's really small. You know, it would have shocked them. It has a shock aspect to it. Because Jesus is a shock prophet. He wants to shock your senses into the glory. That's really a large aspect of prophetics. That's why you have Jeremiah with an ox's yoke. You have Isaiah cooking food for, on, or um, Ezekiel cooking food on cow manure. You have Isaiah naked for three years in Israel. All these prophetic acts were to shock the senses of the people out of complacency, out of lukewarmness, in to the spirit of glory. And there was some success. Shock ministry has been one of Jesus' most desperate attempts to get his fallen people back to him in passion and on fire. There's still tremendous shock prophetics going on right now in the world in 2020. <laughs> Aren't you glad he's a shock prophet? That he's just trying to wake you up because he loves you so much. He'll shock your senses. He'd shock people's pride. He would, he'd shock them with signs and wonders, but then he'd shock them with teachings. What was the reaction oftentimes after Jesus taught in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? How can this be? <laughs> How can this be? And then another time they said, Who can obey this word? Like, everything he said totally shocked their religious mindsets. It blew their minds. Because what it did, what it did was energize their spirit. And it would take their mind out of the abilities of the religion of the flesh into the spirit. With God, all things are possible. That means in your spirit where God is, because God is spirit, John 4.24, all things become easily possible. So you have to shock the senses for the brain to attach to the spirit. God is only in your spirit. Do you understand that? Jesus said that God is only spirit. Now God wants to be made flesh and you are the temples of God, but people don't even know where their spirit is. People don't live out of their spirit and they don't understand the spirit because they can't see the spirit. They're so reliant on their external natural senses, which is your abilities in the curse of the fall, that they don't have any spiritual senses. And the Bible says in Hebrews, the mature ones have their spiritual senses fully exercised. 
so they can discern good and evil. They can discern fallen angels. They can discern an angel of light that comes to deceive. They can discern the wiles of the devil. They can discern the fiery darts of the evil one. They can see the strategies of the diabolical genius of the fallen angels. That's because your spirit is fully angelic and you're operating angelically and discerning angels. If you're going to judge angels, don't you think you probably have to be at a place of maturity in this life? that's like the angels it's called exercising spiritual senses and so what the Word of God does is it crucifies the carnal mind with Christ and Christ is the Holy Spirit it's true Jesus was called Jesus of Nazareth and after the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of the dove his name changed to Jesus Christ so Christ is here as the Holy Spirit so those that reject the baptism of the Holy Spirit are not Christians how could you be if Christ is only on earth as the Holy Spirit you know it's true Acts 2 in Acts 1 Jesus went up into the heavens and then sent his spirit so the spirit of Jesus the spirit of Christ is the only part of the Godhead working on earth for 2,000 years Anyone who rejects the baptism of the Spirit rejects God. You can't be a Christian and not walk in the Spirit. Those who obey the Spirit and follow the Spirit are the children of God, Romans says. Amen? You know, you have 60 million evangelicals in America that reject the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not my job to say if they're going to hell or not. I'm just saying, how can you be a real Christian? It's not a representation of God unless... You have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can all pray in tongues. There are rivers of gifts. Do you understand that in the river, there are gifts continuously being imparted into you? This is not just, oh, I have the gift of the word of knowledge. This is, I have given you all gifts in the river, and it's flowing out of your heart problem is is there been they've been so scarce because our minds have been discipled so far from the river people with the greatest giftings that don't require the river have run the church you know that <laughs> but when you get the people into the river it's like wow everyone's gifted yes they are problem is is when you disciple Christians in buildings made by human hands you disciple them away from the river can a river control a building no the walls would melt <laughs> you bring the river into any building you don't have a building you have a river the roof gets ripped off it's the first thing that goes the walls disassemble this thing goes wild next thing you know there's neither Greek nor Jew nor male nor female and everyone's a member of the church of the firstborn in heaven seeing God knowing God with the angels of God see that's the kind of bride that Jesus is coming back to the one who is a territorial spirit you understand the bride as a principality you need to of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end principality is a reference to government of the increase of Christ's government there shall be no end where is Christ in you what is he the glory the hope that the brain realizes the government of God 
the throne of God placed in your hearts. Now God's infinite genius was to place it in mustard seed form so it's insignificant. And there's nothing in there. And I can, I can trust my state government, my federal government, because I can see it, smell it, taste it, hear it, touch it in the physical realm called hell and the curse of the fall in the natural realm. But I can't discern the government of God in the glory realm because my spiritual senses aren't exercised because the leaders don't feed my spirit. They only feed my brain. So we got 100 million infants in Christ still in diapers who have never been taught Christian spirit, but been taught religious spirit mixture. I was reading Jian Guyan's Union with God, and she was saying that that the world and the devils in the world will mistreat you. But those who practice the Christian life from within will be most opposed and most violently attacked by spiritual brethren who still practice an external Christianity. I mean, it was like verbatim stuff we talk at Joel's Bar. I couldn't believe it. It blew my mind. I started crying. And I just, just someone that could relate to reality of the sufferings of Christ because it's so rare. And I'm reading this and it's just written out so poetically, so perfectly from 350 years ago of someone who's had the exact same experiences as us in life. That the majority of the mistreatment, the misunderstanding has not come from the world and the world's devils. It's come from Christians and spiritual Christians. Christians that have the gifts of the Spirit. Christians that love speaking in tongues. That's been 99% of our persecution, guys, for 15 years. Why? Because it's still external religion. It's still paganism. Remember when Jesus said, Depart from me, worker of iniquity? But Lord... We drove out demons in your, in your name. But Lord, we did all these healings, miracles, signs, and wonders in your name. I didn't know you. It was external, not internal. You were still doing it all out of your brain. You went and got taught by apostles and prophets and had all the impartations operating. The gifts of God are irrevocable. Why would the scriptures tell you about irrevocable gifts? It's almost like telling you you can operating gifts and not be saved that's what it means do you understand that you can operate in the brain realm with all the look-alike spiritual stuff of christianity and never have it go into your own heart it's never even from the spirit it's all fake that's what we've been dealing with fake external charismatic christianity that's deceived the whole world I tell you what, you put it in your heart, you put it in your spirit, it's a completely different Christianity. <laughs> that's why people can't figure it out, and that's why they oppose it. It's so different practicing true Christianity from within your spirit, with your brain controlled by your spirit called in peace with God, Romans chapter 8, that they, uh, they think it's a different religion. Even if you don't do the shock prophetics, I've noticed that I haven't done really, really wild shock prophetics for five years in ministry, and they still weep and gnash their teeth. That's what's surprising to me. It doesn't even take fringe ministry. It just takes practicing 
Christianity from within. It just takes real new covenant reality. <laughs> Why? Because it produces the river, it produces the spring. It reveals the external influence of old covenant sorcery. And that's exactly what it is. Working in a people that do not know him. We know about him. But unless you're practicing Christianity from within, in your own heart and blood, we don't know him yet. So that's the temptation after you're born again. That's the only thing hell does after you're born of the spirit in the water is don't develop your spirit race. Keep the grave clothes on and we'll teach you all this outward stuff of how to be a good Christian. We'll teach you all these formulas in your mind. We'll give you all the books, but we're not going to give you the river. Where do you hear revelations of the river called the revelations of the knowledge of the glory of the water that covers the sea? Do you hear teaching on the river? It is the rarest form of Christianity that's taught in the world. And those that find it find eternal life. Those that find it have escaped the horror of Babylon. Those who find it have escaped and overcome Jezebel, stay in the river, and go deeper daily. Every temptation in this world is to pull you out of the river of life. You stay in the river, you'll bring the glory rain. See, it starts as a spring within. Out of your belly will flow rivers. Where is it flowing? All the way through your heart and your mind and your blood into the outer realm and you become clouds full of rain, scripture calls it. We are not clouds with no water like the false prophets, description in Jude referring to Elijah. There is a drought in Israel in Elijah's day caused by Elijah. He prayed, rain stopped. There was no rain in any of the clouds for three years. He prayed again three years later. A cloud the size of a man's fist formed and it grew to be a thunderstorm. Controlling the rain of God. It's true. It's the waterworks. <laughs> is there a control? There is a self-control of the waterworks. There is a control of the living waters of your brain. Romans 8 says those that are controlled by the Spirit, which is the water, in their mind, their brain, are at peace with God. What's peace with God? Jerusalem. Those whose brains are controlled by the living water are already living in the New Jerusalem. A lot of times, when you're around real Christianity, you are in a lot more mature manifestations and realms than you give yourself credit for and that's good that's called humility that's how David operated he'd do the craziest stuff by the anointing and be like taking out giants at 12 years old but it was the anointing doing it all he had to do is agree with the anointing and the signs miracles and wonders would just pop out of him automatically those who know their God will do great exploits it is written what is knowing Hebrew word yada, to know intimately within. <laughs> it's literally to have your heart on fire with the substance of love, yada. 
It's the word in Hebrew Jesus says to the people who are doing the gifts, who are operating in carnal Christianity. Do you understand? By carnal Christianity, I mean spiritual charismatic activity of the head that doesn't have the flame of Yahweh in the heart. It's the most deceiving thing in the world. It's Jezebel's activity. So when people get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the main principality that opposes you after that is the principality called Jezebel. And there are very few that have ever overcome her. Very few. Oh, I have already. Listen, Elijah didn't even overcome her. You think you're greater than Elijah? A lot of people just don't have a clue and they just don't assess themselves or judge themselves correctly and accurately in their true measure of maturity. And some people are too hard on themselves and that's also wrong. You need to see as God sees and see yourself as God sees and be accurate. It's very important to be accurate. Otherwise, we let all kinds of spirits control our life and we just go haywire. The brain controlled by the Holy Spirit is at peace all the time. Getting into a place of maturity where our brain is controlled by the living water. Living in the walls of the New Jerusalem. It's a water city. How do you know it's a water city? The gates are pearls. Last time I checked, pearls are only underwater. Do you understand pearls? I mean, it's wild stuff that you could talk about pearls and people somehow think that the living water is not involved in the very city of God. The whole city of God is liquid. Liquid love. And so that's why the cup of the new covenant is a drink. Because you're putting a new spiritual substance of Jesus present as the Holy Spirit, the glory, the liquid glory, the living water, into your flesh, into your mind, and it's transforming your mind. How did Christians practice Christianity for 1,500 years before there were printing presses? There was no Bibles for three quarters of the existence of Christianity. And I love the Bible. I got 150 Bibles. But the issue is, how did they do it with no Bibles? There was no printing press in all Western civilization for all of Christianity for 1,500 years. And we have people doing signs and wonders. I mean, they had little manuscripts, little scrolls. <laughs> Bring those scrolls, Paul says, that I left at the house. Little tiny scrolls. And so... A church would be lucky to have some of the scrolls of the apostles. And you'd hear it out loud. Of course, you wouldn't have your own scroll. Some elder or something would keep it in his house. And if you're lucky, you'd hear him read it once in a while. That's all they had, guys. And yet they lived in the glory of God. These people without Bibles, with very, very little knowledge... When they were martyred, some of them had physical doves. Thousands of people witnessed a dove fly out of the speared side of Polycarp, Apostle John's disciple, when he was martyred in Rome by the Caesar. What kind, one of the greatest signs and wonders of all time. Why? Because they were in the living water. They knew and understood the river. John brought a water gospel that you, if you knew how to drink the river, if you knew how to live in the living water, 
You could live off of just a couple little scrolls in throne room glory 24-7-365. We have produced so much revelation in 12 years of broadcasting that if even a person were to listen to one, two, three Joel's bars and really get a hold of it, they could walk in throne room glory for the rest of their lives. So it's not about the continuous knowledge, although that's wonderful stuff because some people are required for building purposes. Most people are just required to live in the glory realm. And so the most important thing for you guys is learning how to drink and stay underwater. What does that mean? Stay in the New Jerusalem. The gates are open. The pearls are the gates, meaning people go in and out of the water. They go in and out of the glory. They go in and out of the city of Christ. We need to be consistent. We haven't learned how to go into Christ, which is into the pearl, into the glory, into the water, and stay there and live and move and have our being in the liquid love. Literally like an orb. You're completely surrounded with this liquid love. It's called being baptized. <laughs> We've been baptized in natural water. We've been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. But the baptism of the glory and the baptism of the New Jerusalem is something the bride hasn't experienced yet. She doesn't understand it. It's still too high in angelic knowledge. That's the promised land, people. You, know, you want to know what another name for the New Jerusalem is? The Garden of Eden. It's true. <laughs> Both the New Jerusalem and the Garden of Eden are on the top of Mount Zion. It's like interlocking dimensions. It's like once you go to the top of the mountain, all the realms of God open up there. So since God is in the city of God, and in the city of God is the river of God, once you're in God, all these dimensions or realms of God open up and are able to be experienced. So you're in the same person, but your mind is seeing different visions inside the heart of God when you've ascended by descended. When you've gone up by going down, which means circumcise your heart and not your garments by bringing your head into submission to your spirit. The curse of the fall is just having your brain over your heart. The resurrection is just having your heart over your brain. Few have ever done it. It just costs you the whole curse of the fall. It just costs you all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. All you gotta do is give up all your dead things. Death only works in the skull. Place of the skull. Place of Christ. Death. So once you start to get into divine order, the life increases out of your heart, controls your mind, and there's a much more abundance of life than there is of death. It's called darkness and light. I will translate you out of darkness into glorious light. Wonderful. Do you live in the fullness of light? Let's let's check. Are you still aging? Is your bones and marrow glowing? Come on. Have your bones ascended to the Father's altar? Like Jesus, remember? See we call we're followers of Jesus. Did you follow him up into the cloud of Acts chapter 1? Or is you following him on earth? 
You got to be following him in heaven. We follow Jesus into the heavens. We do it through our own heart. And of course, our spirit does it first and our mind catches up later. And guess what catches up to your mind? Your bones. So you're transfigured by the renewing of your mind. Transfiguration is not just the mind, not just the brain becoming a white stone in the river. But it brings the 206 bones. The only way you ever overcome death is if you take your bones up into your brains. And your brains up into your spirit. Seated with Christ in heavenly places. <laughs> not just in the spirit, but in truth. In spirit and truth. Truth is the natural. Spirit, we know, is the spiritual. Gotta have both. We gotta learn how to take our souls into the spirit. And what that costs you is all the self nature, everything working in your flesh, everything of external influence, all your culture. You know what apostle is or apostolic? Means heaven's culture. It's a person who has been erased of their earthly culture. That is an exquisite level of discipleship. That's why there's so few true apostles. It means that all of your culture has been burnt out of you by heaven. And now you're of heaven's culture and you're able to enculturate cities. The apostles went from city to city Jesus is chief apostle. What does he do? Matthew, Mark, Luke, city to city. What is he doing? Changing culture. He was changing the religion. You understand that's why they killed him? Because he changed the Jewish religion. Now the Pharisees weren't in charge anymore. Only those who had the spirit and the anointing of Jesus were in charge of this new religion. And it is a new religion. You got to be religious about the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you got to be religious about the river. Very important. Nothing wrong with good religion. <laughs> James talks about it because I'm sure he's dealing with rebellion. People just, the carnal mind goes so lopsided if it's like it's not religious, it's rebellious. But where is the disciple? Where is the glory? Where is the maturity? It's in spirit, it's in wisdom, it's in liquid form. Meaning when you're underwater and your brain is a smooth stone, like David's five smooth stones, where from the river, he went down to the river and got the smooth stones representing the fivefold ministry of apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, and pastor. Put him in his pouch to kill the giants, to kill the carnal mind. And the stones sank right into the forehead of Goliath. And then he took the sword of the spirit and cut off the carnal mind. And in place instituted the mind of Christ. That's called the kingdom of Israel. <laughs> Moses, uh, Moses, Elijah, David, they did it in types and shadows. We do it in spiritual realities. That's why they longed to live in our day. Hebrews chapter 11 says. They longed to live in the spiritual realities. That a lot of us just take for granted. You got a better covenant. You have not only a better covenant, and one thing I'm so grateful for is you have 2,000 years of Christian wisdom. I learned from all the great wise men and wise women 
that have ever been born again of the Spirit, who have ever grown into anything in the Spirit, who ever developed their spirit into any kind of spiritual stature, they have something to offer you. It's called the wisdom of the ages, not the wisdom of your age. This age has barely even started. If you have just the wisdom of this age, you have no wisdom. <laughs> you need to have the wisdom of the last age and all the men and women that walked with God in that age and the wisdom of the age before that. An age is a thousand years. So you're just starting out in the, the seventh age. Day is as a thousand years and age is as a thousand years. And so now this age has nothing in it. You're filling it with the last six days into the seventh day. And on the seventh day, God rested. It's the age of Christ. Hello? It's the kingdom age. You've heard that term. <laughs> it's the millennial reign of Christ. Is it just a thousand years? No, it's forever. Of the increase of his government. What does the Bible say? There is no end. Why is it called the end times? Because time ends because the government of the glory of God consumes Satan do you understand the only one imprisoned is Satan and his angels and man and woman through the wisdom of the ages is coming out of prison the prison of time the prison of space which is all the prison of religion it's all the imprisonment of slavery. You are not born of the slave woman, Hagar. You are born of the free woman, Sarah. And what does it mean to be born of freedom? Isaac, which means laughter, joy, the joy of salvation, the joy of grace, and the joy of faith. And the children of Abraham will be more than the stars of the heavens and the sands of the earth. We were talking with our friends here last night that that represents all God's thoughts towards you that are always wonderful and never negative. You know, through the blood of the Lamb, God has never, never thought one negative thing about you. He's not capable of it. God is good. Nahum 1.7 You know that? God is good. It's a verse. Do you know that God is good? He's not bad. Remember Jesus said, if your earthly fathers give you good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father? Your earthly fathers won't give you snakes when you ask for bread. They're not going to give you rocks when you ask for fish. So if you ask anything of your father, he's only going to give you good stuff. Do you understand? See, the problem is, how much satanic influence do you have in your mind where you think God is bad? That he's going to... See, that's Satan. Satan is bad. Satan is not your father anymore and the false father of the fallen angels being removed from your psyche. Foundation of all revelation of God needs to be Nahum chapter 1. God is good. Has to be. If you have a negative perspective of God, you can't grow in something bad. You can't grow. You'll stay an infant your whole life and cling to just a couple salvation scriptures hold on to your fire insurance. We need to go into his goodness. It's the goodness of God that leads the nations to repentance. Do you want to harvest? Become delicious. Become his goodness. Become his bread. Become something that people can smell into their nostrils and be intoxicated on. Amen. We got to 
be something so beautiful in people's eyes that people are blown away through their eye sockets. Haven't you ever read in Psalms that Yahweh is perfect in beauty? Perfect in beauty. Yahweh from Zion shines forth perfect in beauty, it is written. <laughs> it goes right into the eyes and the nations are staring at the marvel of the sons and daughters of God. It's the glory that makes you beautiful. It's receiving the stars as his thoughts towards you that glorifies you, that makes you delicious, that makes you enthralling. It's true. And all the sands and all the stars are all of God's thoughts penetrating your very soul constantly. That should intoxicate you for eternity. Think about that. Now you can see in all directions you are being attacked by God's goodness. You're not being attacked by Satan. We overcome Satan by attacking you with God. You understand that's what ministry is. That's what preaching is. It's the sword of the Spirit. I will come and destroy you with a two-edged sword with the goodness of my God. It's true. Truth anyhow. You want people to change? Got to attack them. <laughs> oh, whoa, I've been so attacked. I've been so messed up. Sounds like the wrong spirit got you. <laughs> you ever been attacked by love? Just melt like wax. Get attacked by joy. You laugh so hard your stomach hurts. Get attacked by peace. You take a 45-minute nap. <laughs> <laughs> you get attacked by gentleness people can't even hear you because when you speak it's like whispering that happens all the time around me people get attacked by gentleness and I can barely hear them because they start whispering and I, I know what it is it's the fruit of the spirit at attacking them so severely they're just like our arsenal and our weapons of our warfare are the fruits of the Holy Ghost. You know, I don't really operate in gifts. Even though all of them manifested out of me, this isn't a competition thing, I don't care about any of that. I had all eight of those gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians 14. Wisdom, knowledge, tongues, interpretation of tongues, all of it, every single one in operation the first six months I was born again. It's just awesome words of knowledge, awesome words of wisdom. People just astonished by the gifts. But you know what? After about six months or a year, God started discipling me in the river. Not in the gifts. He never, he completely bypassed all the gifts. All eight of them working in me. And started immediately discipling me in the river. Do you know that every single one of you can operate in the river? Not every single one of you can operate in all eight gifts. Not every one of you is five-fold ministry. But God wanted to bring deliverance to his people to empower them in the operation of the river. This is what empowers the bride of Christ. This is what empowers normal people. Moses was a freak. There was not a single person in all of Israel that had Moses' gifting. No one else was raised in... Pharaoh's house. No one else learned all the ways of the necromancer. No one else was pulled out of a basket out of the River Nile and raised by the queen of 
Egypt, the superpower of the world. Just Moses. Why? Because he was to empower everyone else in his four million nation with all of that supernatural ability. What does the Bible say? That he was to bring the whole nation up the mountain. I wish that all of them would come up the mountain. God invited everyone up the mountain. He wanted to know everyone face to face in the glory cloud that rested on the top of the mountain. You know, if Moses had been on the mountain, Moses was on the mountain, that's why he had all those superpowers. He wanted the whole nation to have all those superpowers of the glory of the cloud that rested on the mountain, the thunder and the lightning and the fire. 40 days, 40 nights, no food, no water, didn't matter. He came down glowing. <laughs> he was completely non-human, totally divine by just hanging out with God at that point. And God wanted him off the mountain. They said, no, put a veil on your face. We're going to, we'd rather die in the wilderness. That is freaking scary. And so they did. They all died, about 4 million, and their children got the inheritance. And thousands of years later, God started to work through a new covenant that it would eventually, that would take thousands and thousands of years, guys, of Father God patiently waiting for everyone to be super empowered to climb up the mountain. That's what this generation is called to, and there is enough grace. This is what I see, the last exodus of having the whole world resurrected and raised onto the top of the mountain. Doesn't the Bible even say that there's a resurrection even for the unbelievers? That some will rise to eternal life and others will rise to eternal death? You know, Scripture says that. Pretty weird. Why? Because the power of the new covenant, the power of the Lamb, is so abundant and more than the old covenant that it raised Egypt up into the top of the mountain. It raised Sodom. It raised Jerusalem. It raised the synagogue of Satan. It raised the Nicolaitans. It raised the Jezebel church. It raised all your enemies up onto the mountain, up into the glory. Some of them fall like lightning. <laughs> But God wants to raise the whole planetary existence. And then guess what? Shake everything that can be shaken. You'd be surprised how people change when you lift them up sovereignly. And the atmosphere of heaven begins to influence their five natural senses. That's what's going to happen, people. That's what's been prophesied in Scripture for thousands of years. That we would be so lifted up into the heavens that the curse of the fall would fall off of humanity's eyes like scales. Not just Saul individually, the whole planet corporately. Everyone lifted by God's power, by grace, onto the top of the mountain. Where do you think the white throne judgment seat is? How do you get everyone before the throne? Isn't the throne inside New Jerusalem? That's what the Bible says. So how do you get everyone inside that liquid water city, inside the 12 pearls? The 12 pearls must have drowned all the world, must have resurrected all the world. The 12 pearls are the names of the apostles. And you know, even the apostles of Jesus Christ 
are those pearls and every apostle has worked in the 12 pearls and is a part of that pearl and that pearl is the ever-increasing apostolic anointing for 2,000 years that's not just Peter James and John that's Catherine Kuman. that's Lonnie Frisbee that's Bill Johnson <laughs> That's all kinds of other apostles throughout Christianity adding to the pearl. So the gates of God become gigantic. It's true. It's called the cloud of witnesses. Jesus entered the cloud. Jesus entered the witnesses. There were other men and women in that cloud, by the way, in Acts chapter 1. That wasn't him just flying up into some vapor. That was him flying up with some of his friends. I've heard mystics say that the men that were raised and wandered around Jerusalem at Christ's death were in that cloud waiting for him after his 40 days of appearing to over 400 people. His ascension was a corporate ascension. Your ascension is corporate. There's nothing individual about it. You're never alone. You'll always have at least two angels with you all the time. You couldn't be alone if you wanted to. Even if you completely rejected Jesus, you'd still be in the presence of some creatures called demons. Meaning it's not possible for a person, for a soul to be alone. Look at the Gadarene demoniac. Super, super far from civilization, out on an island living in a graveyard. Still had 6,000 friends in him. <laughs> Still had a whole city in him. <laughs> Holy Ghost. It's just awakening to spirits and having the mind renewed to living with the angels. And of course, the wicked will be removed. It's just the mind has to be renewed to these spiritual realities. And you begin to dream dreams. You begin to see visions. You begin to operate in the river begin to operate in the spirit and we become mature in the spirit that the spirit is the only thing we operate that we don't have natural experiences everything is infused with our spirit so that brushing my teeth is the equivalent of a 30-day fast do you understand that it's important you understand that a lot of you don't get that that doing natural activity is just as spiritual as spiritual activity because your spirit has so infused the natural realm. What does it mean for the elements to melt with fervent heat? That means that your spirit has filled and animated everything that the microphone, the drink, the computer, the candles, everything is infused with my spirit, talking, prophesying, living, animated. The walls speak, the windows praise, the ceilings are in open heavens. The galaxies are in the ceilings and it's just all alive active and energized which is called the melting of the elements that there's no imprisonment by being surrounded by unbelief which is pretending like you're in dead matter like you're just surrounded by just dead natural stuff it's not true if a person believes that they're surrounded by hell and they live in the garbage hands. That's what Gehenna is. Gehenna is the unrenewedness of your mind that the natural realm around you is not 
melted like fervent heat. I mean, it's not prophesying. It's not alive. That's what Gehenna is. You're living in the garbage dumps of hell. And so you, you melt Gehenna, you burn the garbage, and you learn how to burn all the garbage, and it turns into what? Walking on streets of gold. That's for earth people. Living within the gemstone walls. The walls are jasper. The gates are pearls. That's not heaven. That's heaven on earth. You understand that? That's for your reality on earth. That when you walk through a wall, I'm walking through a pearl. When you jump into a window, you jump into the gates. Your spirit is jumping right into their faces. And their physical person is changing by your spiritual ability. And it's catching up the natural realm, melting the elements of molecules, atoms, everything in the natural realm to be totally glorified. That's on earth as it is in heaven. That is the function and the ability of the fire of God. Fire God isn't just to burn the animal sacrifice and we get all, all this priesthood understanding and now we're priests and we're all about the fire. It's all about heaven on earth and what hell has been on earth is what burns. Most Christians live in crazy amounts of Gehenna, especially financially. I've been in this a long time. It's been astonishing to find such anointed people so poor all over American Christianity. It's very, very rare to find wealthy Christians because they've been taught so much Gnosticism that they believe it's evil to be rich, that it's wrong to be successful. It's everywhere, you guys. People freak out if you have money because they think money is evil because they don't have any and they blame someone else. Because it's just all religion, it's all Gehenna, it's all external, non-melted garbage around you because you haven't learned to value the earth. It's called the new earth. What's the new earth? Silver, gold, and gemstones. It starts in your heart. Your heart is flesh, your heart is blood, your heart is DNA, your heart is precious. Your heart is the ability to change the world. Without blood, you can't change anything. With blood, you can change everything. Even the animal's blood had the ability to cover the sins of the people for thousands of years. Blood is amazing. <laughs> We're in a blood covenant. Better blood than Abel. The blood of Jesus that is not just going to cover, it's going to melt elements. This blood is fire fire blood this isn't just regular old human blood this blood is alive active energized this blood speaks this blood preaches this blood teaches this blood transforms and transfigures this blood destroys the the power of satan and human blood this blood drives out demons it kills crocodiles in the bloodstream of the nile it kills frogs in the bloodstream in the bloodlines this blood is attacking all other blood on earth it's delicious blood sweet blood perfect love god's blood is love what are you drinking when you're drinking the blood it's called new wine <laughs> jesus called his blood the new wine this is the blood of the everlasting covenant drink it whenever you remember me i will not drink the blood of this grape until i see you again in jerusalem 
We're gonna drink the drunken glory Acts chapter 2 they got the new wine they saw him again they saw him as the as Jesus their Lord that they had just spent three years with his blood completely filled them and gave them divine dialysis at the temple <laughs> and they started changing the bloodlines and changing all the bloodstreams of Jerusalem the center of the world and from there the blood has been working to heal the nations the blood of God I mean that's why Satan was defeated at the cross eventually God's blood would destroy all corruption and all blood the life is in the blood the river of life is the blood of Jesus and it's a lot different than human blood it's glorified it's crystal clear and sparkling that's what the glory is what's when you drink his blood and you get drunk on the glory you drink the new wine and you start to feel all tipsy what is it you're changing your blood you're changing your brain the Holy Spirit is changing you the Holy Spirit enforces Christ's sacrifice to redeem you and all the power of the stars and sands is shooting light at you from all directions to enforce what the lamb died for on the cross God sent his son to die so that you could be completely attacked by love from the Holy Spirit and the angels every moment of your life completely shot through with continuous like Cupid's arrows and so you're drunk on love Song of Solomon 5 1 it gets easier and easier and easier the more you allow yourself to get shot annihilated on love it's literally a, a stage in prayer is called annihilation where you have learned how to let the substance of his love so penetrate every area of your spirit soul mind and flesh that that's all you're experiencing in your feelings annihilation total annihilation on divine love that is a stage in prayer and you have to have that baptism of divine love to move on into the glory move on into ruling and reigning because you ain't going to have any power and authority in the kingdom unless you're baptized in love what are going to be your motivations what's the intentions of your heart why do you want power why do you want authority want to glorify people want to heal people want to transform people not with my ideas not with my mysticism but with the blood of Jesus with the cup of the new covenant blessed are the ministers of the drink Mary the mother of Jesus said in the odes of Solomon blessed are the ministers of that drink that learn how to minister the blood the new wine that learn how to penetrate people's brains and flesh because our faith is great so we can actually pass the Holy Spirit into others temples of the Holy Spirit why do you go to the temple to get more of God the only reason why you went to temple was to get God you want God's Word you want God's anointing God's oil God's blessing on your life you want God numbers chapter 4 to shine upon your face <laughs> you, you want to live in the light of God because it's all about God your Creator the creature is created for the Creator 
and that's why people go to church that's why they go to temple it's all about that longing on the inside to be connected to creator and the creator is longing to connect with you but if your mind is connected to some other spirits you won't even feel them and you'll be so lied to that all the soil of your heart will be pulled in the wrong direction that's why jesus said an enemy did this i sowed the words of love how can you feel anything else it's called one third of the angels that fell that want to build a kingdom of you as their slaves through lies because they only find rest in human blood they need your blood do you understand there was no Egypt without the Nile there's no hell without human blood the revelations of blood are so crucial for your wisdom there's no kingdom of heaven without the blood of Jesus it's called the River Jordan there's no promised land except the Jordan the river of the Holy Spirit there's no promises the whole realm of Eden the promised land of the new covenant is called the Garden of Eden you can't go in unless you go through the rivers the rivers of the Spirit and the seven spirits of God are your teacher and your leader and they will lead you into the realms of Eden those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God <laughs> so be spirit-led and how do you know it's not an evil spirit a religious spirit drink the blood of Jesus because the demon spirit will go crazy you see how they react to the new wine to the drunken glory they go nuts they lose their minds they make excuses they weep and gnash their teeth and it's like and it's like man you're really revealing what's in your heart you practice religion you're a sorcerer and most people have a mixture of sorcery in the magic arts with their Christianity the majority very few are actually holy sanctified and set apart for the blood of Jesus alone that are ministers of that drink and so we need a people of Gideon's 300 that know how to drink Gideon chose his army by those who know how to drink and Jesus told him how to do it he was about to go to war with 10,000 people he's like send 9,700 of them home I only need the drinkers to win the battle it says it in the book of Judges and then after they had been chosen by drinking and knew how to drink they just went into the high places made noise and let their light shine they celebrated the drinking it was a sign and wonder of the future generation of people that would come into the literal literal river of life and learn how to practice the city of heavenly Jerusalem on earth, the city of the 12 pearls, the city of living water. They know how to drink. They know how to live in Jerusalem. They know how to be citizens of the city of New Jerusalem. It's all about being able to drink the Holy Spirit by faith. Those that don't drink aren't in the city. But you can bring people up sovereignly. That's the crazy thing. The drinkers will bring people up sovereignly while there's still an unbelief you can raise whole nations from the dead doesn't mean they're saved at all in fact that's how you bring judgment upon the wicked you have to raise them up you have to love your enemies and if they don't humble themselves by you loving them for so long all the way up to the throne of God there they are before their creator because of your intercession because of your unconditional love you're only gonna get judgment for your enemies and we want them all to be saved so are the intentions of our heart are always pure 
The issue is a lot of people's hearts are not pure and they love wickedness. Balaam, son of Beor, written in the New Covenant book of Jude, who loved the wages of wickedness, meaning you have tons of people in the world that love evil and hate what is good. It's everywhere. And don't be shocked by it. You have demon lovers. You have devil lovers everywhere, even openly loving the devil. Satan, Satanism and the occult is just out in the open of people who love evil parading through your American streets. So if they get raised up and they still hate God and love evil, of course they're going to be judged because they love the devil. Those who love the devil will be destroyed. Scripture says that, I mean, you read the book of Revelation, it's final. Those who love God and those who have loved others, even who have practiced evil, think about it. Imagine Lot in the new covenant being able to raise up Sodom. I bet you a lot of those people would have been saved, but they couldn't. And so they died under fire and brimstone and the whole city was melted by fire from the heavens. True story. They found the city in the Middle East. You can search it on YouTube. Go in there and there's just all kinds of crazy remnants of Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> the Ryan Wyatt um, archaeologist. It's awesome stuff. But the same fire that destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah is coming spiritually now. Something the Spirit was speaking today. This isn't a destroying fire. It's a cleansing fire. It will cleanse all flesh from demons. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us bring the rain of fire, the glory rain, and not in the judgment and the wrath of Sodom and Gomorrah, but in the judgment and the wrath of the Lamb, the wine press, the rain of the blood of Jesus, the rain of love so intense that every fallen angel has their wings burned off in the sky all around the universe, that they're not even allowed to be around Saturn, Neptune, Venus. They're not around, allowed to be around the sun or the moon or any moon or any star or any sky over any nation or of any dust or any place in the world, that the blood of Jesus would rain from our hearts through our changed blood because we've drunk so much of the blood of Jesus that the very atmosphere and weather system and clouds full of rain would rain the blood of Jesus, rain the glory of God, and the glory is the blood. And it would cleanse and wash all the heavens, a new heavens, and it would cleanse and wash all the earth, a new earth, where the blood of Jesus dwells. It's called the great floods. <laughs> The floods of Noah. Jesus said that his second coming would be like a flood. Did you know it's his blood? We say, oh, living water. What do you think the living water is? The living water is the blood of Jesus. You've been getting discipled in the blood of Jesus since the moment you first believe. All the life of eternity is in the blood. All the life in your mind, everything that's alive in you is because of the blood of Jesus. There's no life in any molecule or atom in the natural realm except by the blood of Jesus. 
That's why the blood had to go down into the earth. The earth split, the earth quaked, the heavens shattered, lightning, thunder. The Roman soldiers said, surely this is the Son of God. Why? Because his blood was spilt and all of creation went completely haywire. It's like he destroyed the matrix. <laughs> and the blood dripped down, all the way down Skull Hill, right into the center of the skull. All the way down the skull where Jeremiah had hidden the ark. 400 years earlier and dripped on the mercy seat and fulfilled the old covenant and gave our souls access back into the Holy Spirit without measure, back into the Garden of Eden, back into God the Father by the full and perfect forgiveness of our sins. And now we learn how to forgive others. You can learn how to forgive others like a weather system. That's what it means to be clouds full of rain. You are raining the blood of the Lamb over your cities and over your nations, over your blocks. They're going to go crazy. Remember when the rain came in the days of Noah? Oh, you think they'd change? So again, washed in the blood. They're raining living water on everyone. They went nuts. They lost their minds. Same activity you see around the world today. It's going to take not just rain, but floods and a drowning and over 40 days and then another 40 days. And then you got all the repercussions of the blood and the flooding of the blood and everything underwater in the blood. It's going to take time using these abilities to transform creation. So the whole thing is, is learn how to work in the living water in the blood of Jesus. Learn how to drink it, minister it, learn how it's changing you. Learn and experience all these things and become better priests in all your daily activity so that brushing your teeth now because there's such a realm of glory and a rain of His blood is as spiritual as a 30-day fast. It needs to be because the, mel the elements have melted with fervent heat in the blood of His glory through every natural thing in your life. And your mind is no longer good and evil. And your mind is no longer natural and spiritual. It's just all drowned in the blood. You're just living as a blood creature. A river creature. A river head. And the head of the river is the gospel of God. Lion, eagle, oxen, man. It's the glory of God. It's the Father himself the very nature of the creator of all creation and you'll find him as you grow in the blood as you swim in the blood see the blood came into the river nile in moses's day whoa <laughs> but the blood is coming into the river jordan in our day <laughs> these signs and wonders are for the eternal promised land of heaven on earth no longer just dealing with the realm of the dead and covering the realm of the dead, but now bringing heaven's realities and washing all death away in the true fulfillment of the Jordan River. Let the blood speak a better word. Let your blood be transformed and transfused. Be changed in your minds. Let these words penetrate you deeply and glorify you in a new and fresh way 
When you open your eyes, you'll see in colors you've never seen before. When you listen to sounds, you'll hear things you've never heard before. Everything will begin to be animated as all the elements melt around you in fervent heat. You're beginning to learn to live in the glory of God, living in the clouds full of rain. And your tolerance for the fire of his blood grows. So you gradually come out of the curse of the fall into the full resurrection and the life, which is the quality of God the Father in heaven. And the same burning of the man of God, your Father, becomes your burning on earth as it is in heaven, through your bones and through your blood, by an ever-increasing fire. In Jesus' mighty name, Father, bless everyone at the sound of my voice. Thank you for the revelations of your blood, for changing their blood, for burning their brains and hearts and bones and blood with the blood of Jesus. The blood covenant is a perfect covenant. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood and for your wine and teaching us how to drink your blood, drink your wine, and to be totally changed by your blood, changed by your wine, intoxicated on your love blood wine to intoxicate everyone around us and to so throw their senses and overwhelm them with the deliciousness of your blood, the deliciousness of your spirit and wine, that everyone is changed, everyone is drowned, and everyone is resurrected. And destroy all the works of the devil now with the blood of Jesus, starting with us, the heavy drinkers, that raise the standard of the blood of Jesus, and begin judging the fallen angels that keep people in the dry place apart from the blood, apart from the Jordan, <laughs> apart from the New Jerusalem and the water city. Let it be washed away. Let it be easy for people to enter into these realms, not just for super prophets only. Let the children approach the Lord in the center of the city of New Jerusalem. Let the infants in Christ come into the New Jerusalem and understand these things from the first day they're born again, we pray, that they would grow up in Zion. They'd be born and raised in Zion, sealed within her walls, the New Jerusalem, the city of glory, the city of the Lamb. And there'd be no other influence in their five natural senses from the moment they're born again their entire lives because of the maturity of your apostles and your pearls that wrap all the infants and protect them in Christ worldwide, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Bless you guys. You want to support this ministry? You can give at redletterman.com. We will see you tomorrow. Amen.